The following is an R.E.D. Podcast Network production, bringing on-demand geek audio straight to your eardrums one podcast at a time. To listen to more great geek audio podcasts, check out the R.E.D. Podcast Network at redpodcastnetwork.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Today on Episode 9 of Slash Cloud, SMEs, what should they be acknowledging in the cloud, and what's really going to help them? Slash Cloud. Welcome to the Slash Cloud Podcast, brought to you in association with CloudAdissues.com. The goal of this show, really, really simple. For me, Ian Bergen, to help you flatten the learning curve and to be your anchor so the cloud doesn't carry away the focus on what you want to achieve in your business. On this podcast, I'm bringing over seven years of experience in the cloud services field to help you see through the sales speak, clear away the mists of marketing, and in an agenda-free manner to break down the reality of what the cloud can do and mean to your business in an easy-to-understand way. It's that simple, people. So, what I want to talk about is this. You are an SME company. Your budget is limited. Your ability to what you can achieve is limited. You are limited by what you can achieve on a scalar manner as well. And you're in a world, a business world, where when you're talking about the cloud, you're talking about uh, the kind of things that large global organizations are are more capable of taking advantage of and are more... In a better, they're in a better position to fight and argue their corner, so as it were. And small businesses need to be able to be uh, operationally uh, mobile. I won't say agile; I'll say operationally mobile, because that is what they are. They are they're small companies that very often have got the roll with the punches, and they're up there trying to fight with the big guys to go and take in business. More importantly. And when you're in that position where you're trying to take in business, uh, you need every single piece of competitive advantage you can put your hands on. And for a lot of small companies, I'm sure privately they turn around to you and say, when we're trying to achieve what we're trying to achieve and we're going up against much bigger organizations, we're almost having to be in this like semi-startup type mode, which is where we're... Uh, at one point, there's a mixture of an element of... Uh, Overpromising uh, and trying to not underdeliver, um, along with uh, a couple of smoke and mirrors to try and get themselves on in alongside the big guys to be able to try and fight for that business and to grow to actually then be able to fight with them on equal terms as peers. And here's the problem with an awful lot of this for SMEs and we're trying to do this business applications to be able to achieve like really smart things. Um, in an awful lot of cases, business applications are built with them being able to be used in large organizations and be able to be uh, to benefit large organizations more. No one builds applications with small companies in mind. And what ha- what happens is that to require this kind of, um, I'd say, intelligence network for your business, an internal intelligence network, using various cloud services and cloud service provider tools, um, and cloud tools to be able to do what you achieve what you want to do business, you know, they are very often a high price proposition. They make it very troublesome for small organizations like SMEs or even young organizations uh, to be able to compete. And it's, again, it's, it's a case of like who's got the bigger wallet to be able to benefit the most out of it. 
So we're now starting to see in the cloud spaces, we're starting to see a large proliferation, I always like to try that again, a proliferation of multi-tenanted services, which is where cloud providers are able to provide those kind of services on a multi-tenant basis. In other words, if you want to think of it as kind of like an apartment complex, where it's got the very best security, it's got a really good management company in there, and you know it's pro. Everything is proactively looked after for you, and you're only having to deal with everyone is only having to deal with the one landlord, and it's uh, everything is very well looked after. So you've got these sort of companies now that are setting up these kind of business models, where because of the scale that they're able to provide these out in a multi-tenant environment, they're able to sort of bring the pricing. Um, aspect of things down i mean you get this with an awful lot of like uh cloud infrastructure as a service providers well it'll do a a public multi-tenant in cloud and a good example of that is amazon's aws or you'll go to private multi-tenant in cloud and the difference between the two of these is that on the public multi-tenant that anyone can rock up with a credit card and go create an account straight away uh without sort of any administrative uh checks from the company providing the service. And then you've got private and multi-tenanted where the only way you can put your stuff onto it is by engaging with the service provider themselves and them being sort of the gatekeepers allowing you in and out and controlling your access and controlling your access to resources as opposed to giving you unlimited resources. And what's happening in a lot of these cases is that People are getting into the case where they're now starting to look at things like where they're buying almost virtual data centers, like data centers in a box, where they're able to go in multi-tenant environments, get a slice out of that person's infrastructure, service, cloud, and resources, and they're building all their applications then inside that. But they're also sharing that multi-tenanted architecture, which is probably being segmented down at the hypervisor level, like some cases VMware. Uh, where you're demarcating like uh, each of the slices and they're completely secure from each other. Now what's happening here is that this entire procedure is actually making it very quick and easy to set up um, for companies who are looking to get in there. They're able to customize it very quickly. The applications are a little bit more scalable and they're finding that they're just able to do more with an awful lot less. And what this is actually doing in one respect is for managers in SME companies, and a manager in an SME company is not like a manager in a very big organization. Very often a manager in an SME company is wearing multiple hats. And like for example, in a company where they're trying to build, they've traditionally been a software house for example, and I think this is probably a poor example because the software industry tends to feed itself, but I'll use it anyway. Um, with a software company and they go in there and traditionally they would have sent out discs and DVDs and CDs and other storage media for people to be able to put their hands on their software. And they would then have to constantly be sending out updates or make updates available to be downloaded. Then they get into the model of where they no longer need to provide any form of distribution to of the software to their clients. In fact, their clients don't even need to have any savvy or get into the case of hosting that application themselves or that system or solution themselves. That the software company now is able to do the entire thing as a hosted solution, seamless, where it's updated remotely, managed remotely, kept secure remotely. And, you know, the best people who know about the platform and the application are actually managing the application. So, again, you're taking that um, management side of things out of your own team and allowing them to focus on the more important things. 
And with these with managers who are in this position in these type of companies, like I said, they're often wearing multiple hats. One hat may be a manager, the other hat might actually be where they too are a developer or they're in R&D, or they're doing Q&A as well, or they're doing a whole heap of multiple different variables and verticals within the business. Because sometimes this is what happens, and it's actually fairly normal for an awful lot of SMEs, for people who are in management to be wearing an awful lot of hats, uh, even from above themselves or below themselves in the chain. And so these kind of managers are starting to realize that when you're talking about these... um, these kind of cloud services and what they can need to acknowledge that they're recognizing there's a change in the dynamics within their companies now that these kind of intelligence networks can be delivered and brought in far more cost effectively because they're in multi-tenanted they can also be brought in no matter where in the world they are uh, employees are able to get the benefits as a result of all of this you know as long as the uh, the employees have access to a good form of network and you know, this kind of mobility that comes with all of this, being able to access it remotely via the cloud. And, and again, it's it's being sort of where the point where businesses are able to find themselves, small, medium enterprises, SMEs, or find themselves able to cohesively unify uh, their own business and the, in, and the business critical systems within the company as well. And be able to use that intelligence network. And people, are, you probably wonder to yourself, why do you keep saying an intelligence network? When you're talking about business critical applications and business critical systems, the reason that they are sort of labelled that and they do fall into that category is not because people depend on them to do their job. Because these are pieces of the larger part of the organisation that helps you understand about whether you're on time with your deliveries, whether you're behind, whether you're actually making money, allowing you to gather that data to be able to make important operational, whether it's uh, short-term or long-term decisions about uh, things that you want to do in the business that you want to either change or you want to improve, or maybe new things that you actually want to bring on stream. So that's what I mean by when I say the intelligence network that needs to come into this. So these managers are actually discovering that as a result of these sort of multi-tenanted environments, they're able to actually now employ these kind of uh, these intelligence networks, which allows them to get on top of, um, like trying to even get in to be able to fight amongst the larger organizations because they're able to have access to the same kind of tools. Now, there may not be the exact same tools from the exact same people, but they're now able to find themselves on a footing which gets them into power. And it's something that I think an awful lot of uh, people who are worried, who are looking at like how they can actually have the next thing to give them that edge, that that 1% sort of a, a bump on what other people are able to do in their business vertical. And what's happening here is that as a result of this, the cloud computing then... Uh, environment and everything that it can bring starts becoming that little bit more uh, not only just accessible but it becomes more successful in terms of its infiltration into the business and then its saturation of the business in terms of it it allowing the delivery of tools and systems in a way that's constructive and and it suits a whole modicum of reasons in the business and it satisfies a whole load of things like uh, cost benefit analysis in terms of being able to free up IT staff or free up 
by administrative staff to be able to focus on more important tasks and to maximize their um, return on their investment of being like human capital in the business. That's a phrase I don't really like to use too often, human capital. But again, this sort of entire thing feeds in. And when you're sort of talking about boosting, uh, sorry, when you're boosting staff productivity and you're boosting the innovation by providing access to the latest technologies without the need for massive investment and being able to do it on a very, um, again, coming back to being able to put people sort of on a par with access to the same type of tools, small businesses are then able to say that they're able to get best-in-class IT on a global scale without actually having to match the spend of these global organizations. And... This then sort of leads into that nice little quandary that you've got IT executives who raise worries about the security as a result of these multi-tenanted environments. But like when you're talking about the fact that all the data, the applications are all centralized in a data center, I mean, this is the thing with this. When you're going to a company that is like has some form of reputation, the one guarantee you can nearly almost take with it is, and especially if you're talking about the Irish market, is that... If they are operating their services out of one of the Telecity data centers in Ireland or one of the Interaction data centers or at a Strencom in Cork uh, or even ServeCentric in Dublin or, um, or Cable and Wireless out on the north side or in one of the Aircom uh, data facilities or uh, comm centers that are around the place, that you know that people are not servicing this data and holding it on bits of spurious kit that's sitting in the back of someone's garage where there's a, a small like hand cord starting diesel generator out the back of it and i think this and this uh, idea that's like when you're going into the cloud that this needs to be a worry it if you're talking about in ireland and you're talking about one of the plethora of cloud service providers if they're from the native ones the ones that don't do services outside the country they're pretty much all going to be operating at a one or one or multiples of those data centers in a lot of cases if they're not you need to ask them why they're not operating out of one of those data centers more importantly like why do they think that as a company who's providing these cloud services they know more about data centers than the companies who specifically go out of their way to build these data centers and are by fact of course the experts in this field I mean, isn't that the point of outsourcing and that when your cloud provider salesperson comes knocking at your door and what I've just alluded to just a couple of minutes ago that the entire point is freeing up staff to focus on their tasks that actually do provide tangible return on their investment of them being in the business to the companies that are getting the the max, the companies extracting the maximum benefit out of their employees. I mean, isn't that the exact same thing as well that should apply then to the cloud service providers? But in any case, it still seems to be something when you're talking about the security and this kind of aspect as it comes up with it. And again, this is something that needs to be acknowledged, that these executives are hesitant to take this step and because they can't get over this uh, idea that their data is going to be residing in someone's garage. Uh, and again, it comes down to this thing of that they're no longer able to touch and feel systems that drive the organization or that they're, they feel that they're, uh, the only way they can show and demonstrate responsibility is by being able to physically touch the, uh, the systems. And What's funny is, there's an awful lot of people out there who frankly aren't really surprised by this reaction, and they still aren't, because they think there's sufficient experience within things like being able to provide remote working services, being able to do security, and in terms of what an awful lot of these cloud service providers are now actually able to do in a very, very smart way. 
and in a very secure way as well more importantly given like the again virtualization has come such a a ginormous step forward i mean i started in this field in about 2007 and we're now into 2014 and in seven years i can see the colossal difference of where we were back then to where we are now even in the way that services are provided out to people there's a massive massive difference I think what an awful lot of people actually forget about this is that data centers have been around for quite a long time. If you look at the advertisement even for Interaction as a data center in this country, Interaction pride themselves on saying that we are the company you go to when you want to build your clouds. I mean, so this is this point about in terms of the security acknowledgement side of it, and this is sort of, I think, one of the more fundamental ones that still seems to be an issue for people. In terms of if I can't see my kit, then I don't know where my data is. And I understand the importance of people needing to know where their data is. And of course they should know where their data is. Because, I mean, it's a fundamental in terms of your responsibilities under the Data Protection Acts. When you run a company. And you know what? The thing is with this is, when you look at how data centers are run in terms of levels of connectivity, levels of power redundancy, and all the rest of that kind of stuff that's being able to be provided by the cloud service providers as a result... There's very, very little evidence that any of the companies are experiencing problems with accessing their data and that the service level agreements that tend to exist in the Irish market, that they're in any way problematic um, or that they're the issue of sort of uninterrupted availability being a requirement that this is an issue. I mean, they don't think we, we hear too often about cloud service providers in the Irish market actually going down and their stuff actually being wholly unavailable. I think the Irish market, in terms of its own native services, um, whether it's in the software as a service sector or in the infrastructure as a service sector, I think they've actually been pretty good and fairly reliable. And the record stands for itself. And so I think that Irish companies and Irish SMEs need to start start having a, uh, just getting into that habit of, again, I'm going to use the word acknowledgement and get into the fact that they acknowledge that they value flexibility, they value responsiveness, they, they value the ability to be able to interact with their service provider and they also value that the services that they're getting access to are able to bring a form of intelligence which is a form of real tangible benefit back into the business in terms of being able to help them understand what's going on in their business and being able to then focus in on the areas of the business that actually need improvement and then these again sort of then feed into the idea that it provides clarity on where the competitive edge of the organization is currently where that competitiveness can actually go to and it makes it less about worrying about competitiveness on a scalar basis um, when you're sort of looking at your the larger companies who are in your vertical if you're an SME who's wondering what the heck they're actually going to get out of the cloud and you know it's when you get into this and you start looking and making effective decisions that are based off tangible information that's there, verifiable information, and more importantly, quantifiable information that allows you to start thinking about building a proper intelligence network within your business and to get the cloud to actually be part of that. It all starts with a couple of very, very simple things. And the one fundamental, like I said, it's going to come back to is the idea of acknowledgement and what you need to acknowledge the cloud is what you are looking to get out of it, what you can get out of it, and 
And understanding then the final piece of that entire puzzle, the priorities. These are the things which will allow any SME that when they start looking to enable themselves to be able to start being smart. And it's always about working smarter, not harder. I'd love to know what people's experiences have been in Ireland in terms of the SLAs, their ability to, um, once they've acknowledged what they actually need themselves and been able to transition that into an actionable plan to deploy cloud solutions in their businesses, I'd love to know what the idea is in behind that. You can send me an email, ian.bergen at cloudedissues.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this show, remember you can leave a rating and review via iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And any ratings and reviews are greatly and hugely welcome as they help boost the popularity of the show by moving it up the charts and those respective listening platforms. If you would like to send a tweet to the show, you can send a tweet to at Clouded Issues. If you want to send it to my personal Twitter account, you can send it to at the Ian Fella. Uh, once again, thanks for checking out the show and giving me some of your valuable in-ear time.